0: In chapter 22, we heard the first speech in the third round of arguments. Eliphaz reacted to Job's last speech. In fact, it would be better to say that Eliphaz overreacted to Job's last speech. This is what happens in the late stages of a theological argument when people really don't have enough information to settle an issue. They begin to ramp up and double down and to overstate their case and to overreact to what they think the other person is saying. And that's what's going on here. Job had said that there does not appear to be any sort of divine retribution for things that are done here on the earth. Wicked people die fat and rich all the time, and good people struggle their whole lives and suffer many difficult circumstances. The whole proverbial system is a sham. It isn't happening. There is simply too much evidence to the contrary. Well, of course that was an exaggeration. All you have to do is go on YouTube and type in bad things happening to stupid people to see an overwhelming amount of evidence supporting the basic thesis that very often people do fall into the pit they have dug for themselves. Very often, if you sow evil, you reap calamity. That is very often the case. But Job, nevertheless, has a point. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes wicked people get away with murder. Sometimes good people never seem to get ahead. Things don't always work out the way they should in this broken and fallen world. That is true. Now, it was not particularly well said. Job was too emotional, and he went too far, as hurting people will sometimes do. But on the whole, he was right. If you expect to find perfect justice in this world, you will be sadly disappointed. That's what Job said. And it didn't sit well at all with Brother Eliphaz. He rises to defend God. He he feels that Job has impugned the character of God. So he reacts to that. He overreacts to that by suggesting that God is so awesome, so exalted that that actually he isn't even affected by human righteousness what what does he care whether people behave properly or not how does that help him how could that help him he is 100 awesome and happy all the time and so job should stop thinking that god owes him some sort of special level of oversight because of his personal blamelessness god doesn't take special notice of anybody God made a perfectly good machine. Thank you very much. And there is no complaints department because it doesn't need a complaints department because there is nothing to complain about. So shut your mouth, Job, unless you are prepared to confess your sins. That's, that's what Eliphaz says. And this is how Job responds. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse one. Then Job answered and said, today also my complaint is bitter My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Here, Job tries to set Eliphaz straight. He says, I am not saying that God is unjust. I am saying that he is not here. Okay, that's the issue. I agree with you that God is holy. I agree with you that God is just. I am not arguing that. I am saying, why then won't God explain to me what's going on? I know he sees me. I never said he didn't. But if he sees me, and he does, why won't he speak to me? That's the issue that Job is really wrestling with. The silence, the absence of God in his pain. C.S. Lewis wrestled with that as well. In his book, A Grief Observed, he processes the loss of his wife to cancer. He talked about retreating into himself and and losing his zeal for life and his desire for human company. But the worst of it was the experience of God's absence at the very moment when he needed him the most. He writes, meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms. When you are happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption, if you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. Closed quote. That is exactly what Job is saying here. I am not protesting God's justice. Job says, I am protesting his absence. Verse 4, I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he, he would pay attention to me. There an upright man could argue with him and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. Here Job expresses optimism. If if I could find God, if I could somehow get a meeting with him, I know that meeting would go well. God wouldn't bully me or overwhelm me. He would hear me out and I would be acquitted. But then Job begins to consider how hard it has been to find God. He talks about that in verse 8. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I don't see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Job can't find God, but he is confident that God hasn't lost him. God knows the way Job takes. And Job is confident that when God is finished watching and weighing him, he shall not be found wanting. Verse 11. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. Old Testament and new, faith is by definition persevering faith. Many start out well, but only the true believers persevere through trial and difficulty. Jesus said that. He said in Matthew 24, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Well, that's me, Job says. I'm still on the path. I'm still walking in the way. So where is my salvation? Where is my redemption? I know if I could put my case before God, he would, he would see that. Verse 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. I've abided in the commandments of the Lord. That's what saved people do, Job says again. Jesus would agree with that. Jesus said, John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Or John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Or John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So check, 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 Job says, that's me. I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. I've treasured his word more than the portion of my food. That's the sign of a real believer. So why is this happening to me? Maybe the answer isn't in me, Job argues. Maybe the answer is in God. That's what he says in verse 13. But he is unchangeable. And who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me. And many such things are in his mind. Maybe God is working purposes that he hasn't shared with me. Maybe God has something in mind that I can't see. Maybe I can't understand what's going on. Job is thinking out loud here, and it terrifies him. Verse 15, Therefore, I'm terrified at his presence when I consider I am in dread of him. If God is working purposes I can't see or understand, then, then maybe I don't want to meet with him. Maybe I'm not ready for that meeting. Maybe I haven't passed whatever test he is conducting. That's a scary thought. Verse 16, God has made my heart faint, The Almighty has terrified me, yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, nor because thick darkness covers my face. I am afraid. There is so much going on here that I don't understand. So much of what God is doing here lies beyond my view, and that freaks me out, Job says. But I'm not turning back. There's no hope for me in the wisdom of men. I need to find God. I need to go to him, or I, or I need him to come to me so that I can understand what in the world is going on. That's where this chapter ends. Job's speech, however, continues in the next chapter. He's trying to find a crack between the two dreadful extremes presented to him by Eliphaz. Eliphaz has said that either Job is a very great sinner or God is an absolute tyrant. Now, of course, Eliphaz doesn't believe that God is a tyrant, Therefore, Eliphaz is absolutely certain that Job is a sinner. But Job isn't sure that those are the only two options in play. He thinks the world is more complicated than that. He he thinks the situation is more mysterious than that, and so he just wants to find God so that he can get some answers. Now, one minute, the idea of Meeting with God comforts him. The next minute, it absolutely terrifies him. What kind of God will I meet, Job wonders? What sort of questions will he ask me? What sort of test has he been conducting? Will there be anything I can say in my own defense? Those are very good and very honest questions. And they are not comprehensively answered in Holy Scripture until we see Christ on the cross. Then, and only then, do we really see God as he truly is. Then and only then do we know how justice and mercy are finally reconciled. Then and only then do we know exactly what we should say in our defense. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you've appreciated the end of the word ministry, I'd like to personally invite you to pay it forward by supporting one of our preferred mission partners. For the remainder of this year, we are highlighting the church planting ministry Mile One in St. John's, Newfoundland. Newfoundland is classified as an unreached population with less than 2% of people identifying as evangelicals. Mile One Ministries is committed to helping healthy churches plant other Bible-believing gospel-preaching churches. Here at Into the Word, I only promote ministries that I have first-hand, on-the-ground experience with. Mile One is bearing fruit and is being led and stewarded by people that I know and trust. If you'd like to make a contribution to this important ministry, you can do that by visiting the Into the Word website at IntoTheWord.ca.